Thank you for joining us for the Covenant Gathering here on Eurofolkradio.com. Our host is Pastor Visser from CovenantPeople'sMinistry.org. We hope that you are inspired to grow in faith and wisdom by studying the scriptures each week with us. It is written, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, and gather the children. So let us gather together for this Bible study hour with our host, Pastor Visser, on the Eurofolk Radio Network. Good afternoon, my dear friends and kinsfolk. I'm Pastor Visser, broadcasting live to you this Saturday afternoon, being December the 10th, 2016, on the Eurofolk Radio Network. And before we begin today, I would like to thank, like usual, Paul English and the Eurofolk Radio crew for allowing me this great opportunity to reach God's people. The time is now 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That makes it 5 p.m. in London, England. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the topic of Christian hate. Indeed, many people who are new to this identity message may not be aware that there is such a thing as holy hate. In fact, Yahshua taught as much. But from Genesis to Revelation, we see many things that Yahweh God hates, many things that David instructs the faithful to hate as well, and also things that the second generation church apostles, such as Paul, Peter, and John, say that we are also to hate. And this study should be quite interesting in the regards that for most of us within America, if we go into a Judeo-Christian church, the first thing they usually will say is that God does not hate anyone or anything. And my friend, I'm here to tell you that most assuredly is not the case. There are actually over 43 things specifically listed within our Holy Bibles that Yahweh God hates. And we're going to look at some of those this Saturday afternoon. In fact, Joshua taught on the concept of hate by making statements such as, well, the world will hate you, or the world hates me, because I testify against it. And some of those New Testament examples we'll be looking at today as well. So to begin... Let's turn to the Gospel according to Luke and the 14th chapter. It is here where Yahshua, Jesus Christ, teaches on the topic of hate. In Luke 14, beginning in verse 25, we learn, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now that, my friends, is a very powerful statement, and Yahshua teaches here in Luke chapter eight, uh, 14, on the cost of discipleship. And this is one of those costs 
for us to follow after our beloved Redeemer, our Shepherd, Yahshua. Christ says if we come to Him and we do not hate our own father or our own mother, etc., we're not worthy to be His disciple. He also goes on to say, whoever does not bear His cross and come after Me cannot be His disciple. And finally, in verse 33 of Luke chapter 14, if any of you who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. And so what we need to do before the natural man comes in and says, well, looky there, Jesus Christ seems rather sadistic and egotistical by teaching this. We need to look at the the word Greek in the Greek that is used and transliterated as hate. If you look in a any standard concordance, my friends, you will see that under Greek, number 3404, Christ, as he uses the word hate in Luke 14, 26, uses the term matio. And matio in the Greek is a separate word, quite different than its primitive root. And its primitive root is from mesios in the Greek. Christ uses a different term here in regards of hate. And the term that Yahshua uses here means, according to Greek number 3404, it is derived from Mesios, but Mesheo, as a Greek word, that is translated hate means to love less or to detest in light of. And so what Christ is saying is that any man who comes to him and does not love his own father, his own mother, his own wife and his children, is not worthy to be his disciple. And this is very important for today's study. And in that I mean, Christ uses this terminology two times in all of Scripture. Amatio, which was translated hate. Here in Luke 14.26, where he says that we must love less, our family members and material items in order to be his disciple. But he also uses this in the gospel according to Matthew in a very popular and well-known statement that Yahshua makes. And this is the second usage of matio, a special word in the Greek that does not mean to hate literally, but means to love less. So we can read in the Gospel, according to Matthew, but in the 6th chapter, beginning in verse 24, where Christ says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God or money. Now, Yahshua here in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 says that we cannot serve two masters. And the reason for that is obvious. Because we will love one and hate the other. And reading that straightforwardly, Christ would be saying, either he will hate the one and love the other, or love less the one and love the other. So, Before we even start looking at the topic of Christian hate, we've got these two examples of the Greek word matio knocked out. One 
is where Christ says we must love father and mother less than him to be his disciple. And two is where Christ says man cannot serve two masters because he will love the one or love less the other. And this stands to reason, does it not? Now, modern Judeo-Christendom does not teach this. They will not bring to you a study on Christian hate. In fact, nine times out of ten, the first thing that a Judeo-Christian preacher will say is that God does not hate anything or anyone. But be that as that may, how do they get around verses such as Malachi chapter 1 verse 3, where we learn in the final book of the Old Testament that God has indignation and hatred for Esau, Edom, and his progeny forever. How do they get around not only that quote, as it's found in Malachi chapter 1, verse 3, but where Paul reiterates it in his general epistle to the Romans, chapter 9, verse 13. They can't, my friend, and that is why I'm bringing you this study this Saturday afternoon. If Paul reiterates an Old Testament teaching that God loves Jacob but hates Esau, it would fare anyone who professes to be faithful well to look at some of the things that God hates, whether he is in flesh form as Yahshua or whether he is de facto in the Old Testament. Now, this is going to be very important because the world comes in and basically says, well, you can serve both God and money. You can go the way of mammon, even though Yahshua says narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. Well, let's take a look at a Psalm of David. It is found in the 97th chapter, making it the 97th Psalm of David. And it is here where we learn a very valuable commandment from wise King David. A commandment that is reiterated numerous times in the New Testament. A commandment that is found in Psalm 97, verse 10. Where we learn, Ye that loved Yahweh hate evil. He preserves the souls of His saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Who? Yahweh will deliver the souls of His saints. And the souls of His saints, according to Psalm 97 verse 10, are they who love Yahweh and love less the things of this world. Because we are instructed, All ye that love the Lord or love Yahweh hate evil. My friend, hate evil. Now, when's the last time you ever heard a Judeo-Christian pastor tell you that in order to follow Yahshua, you need to love your earthly siblings less and you need to love money and the world's riches less than Yahweh God. And not only that, you need and are commanded to hate evil. Now, In my opinion, the reason many of these erroneous Judeo-Christian pastors teach what they do is because if they can get you to love the sinner but hate the sin, quote-unquote, well, they can keep you gridlocked within a state of perpetual sin. The word hate 
as it's used in Psalm 97 verse 10 is quite different than the Greek usage. And it straightforwardly is from the Hebrew word sane. Sane. And it's a primitive root which means to hate. You can verify that in any concordance. Number Hebrew 8130. But in the Old Testament, most assuredly, we're dealing with the terminology that hate is hate. Love is love. And if we love God and we love His Word and we seek to see a nation under His will, then we will what? We'll hate evil. Ye that love Yahweh hate evil. So are we able to do that? Are you able to hate evil in a world that comes in and says evil is okay and anything goes? Are we able to truly love Yahweh God over our television that espouses and brainwashes 24 hours a day things that are usually held in abomination to Yahweh God? And anything such as homosexuality that is considered an abomination is also hated of God, my friend. Again, God hates 43 things, specifically in the Old and New Testament. And we'll likely not have time to look at them all today, but we've already looked at a few, right? Yahweh hates evil. And us who are made within His image, who love Yahweh, are to hate evil as well. Well, now, the reason for this is very, very apparent. And I suppose I should state the obvious right now, as we begin looking at this concept of Christian hate, that there are many people in the world that hate Yahweh God. And for us, being the saints who love Yahweh God, oftentimes we don't know the thoughts of the wicked. Which is why we are instructed to not know them. We cannot know the thoughts of the wicked. And part of the reason for that is because they hate Yahweh God. We don't. And if this was not the case, then Yahweh God would not have to give us a big Ten Commandments, right? Even your modern Judeo-Christians who believe that Yahshua taught the Ten Commandments will usually tell you, even if they're antinomian and don't believe in everything Leviticus and Deuteronomy espouses, that the big Ten should be followed, right? So turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. And it's here where Yahweh God gives the Ten Commandments, beginning in verse 1. We learn, God spake all these things, saying, I am Yahweh, thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That is the first commandment. Have no other gods before Yahweh, and there most assuredly are numerous gods out there that we can serve. But what is this second commandment? Well, that is found in verse 4. Pay close attention. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Why? Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, because I, Yahweh, thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. This, my friend, that we're dealing with in the 20th chapter of Exodus, is not only the second commandment that forbids 
us bowing and worshiping graven images, but a statement that straightforwardly tells us that there are people who hate our God. And as a result, they hate God's children as well. This is known as the sins of the Father. And it stands to reason because it is common sense. It merely take one wicked bastard to raise his children to hate God, to technically forever curse his seed line, that is, without divine intervention. Therefore, Yahweh God will honor this contract because he is jealous. And jealousy is an emotion that only those that love can feel, my friend. That is why we have the ability to show both, oftentimes even going above and beyond the pale, by loving our enemies and heaping coals of fire upon their head. But the Edomite, the enemies, and those that hate God can only hate. Therefore, every generation waxes worse and worse. And so, in the giving of the law, coming out of the land of Egypt, Yahweh God says, Do not bow to graven images, because I vow I will visit the sins of the fathers upon every successive generation. And let me interject, it only takes one man to turn to Yahweh God with all his heart, mind, and soul to break the sins of the fathers. Because the second commandment says, To them that hate. Yahweh, not to them that love. You, my friend, if you love Yahweh and hate evil, are not responsible for the quote-unquote sins of the Father. And that same second commandment is given in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where we learn in verse 8, Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down unto them, nor serve them, for I, Yahweh thy God, am jealous. Visiting the iniquity, the polite way of saying sins, of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So, something I want you to notice about the second commandment, and the law that is pertaining to the sins of the fathers. One, it only affects those that hate Yahweh God. And two, it is reiterated in the layman's version of the law in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9, meaning it is for the common man. So, God hates particular things, right? One of them we've already proven is idolatry. And of course, this is reiterated in Jeremiah chapter 44, verses 2 through 4. And we don't need to turn there today. But as I mentioned earlier, the way of the enemy is to only hate. And this was seen in our big brother, quote unquote, Esau, who hated Jacob. And as a result, Yahweh God would love Jacob. But he hated Esau, right? Therefore, because God says he will visit the iniquities over and over upon every generation, that hate him, he gives us a law in the Old Testament. A law that is carried over into the New Testament numerous times. And it is found in Leviticus chapter 19. It is here where we learn in verse 17. 
Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt not in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. What is the commandment given to Israel? Well, let me start by saying, our God is jealous, right? That is one of his names, so he shows love. We, the Adamites and the Israelites, by extension, are created in his image. We also can show love and jealousy. Therefore, it is expected of us by our Heavenly Father to what? To not hate our brother, a racial term in the Hebrew. To not bear any grudge against the children of our own people. Another racial term in the Hebrew. And we are commanded, just as Yahshua did when he walked, to love our neighbor or our plerio in the Greek, as ourself. We have that power, and we can overcome evil with good, my friend. In fact, good, love, is the only thing that can overcome evil. But perhaps that's a study for another day. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17, forbids any Israelite man, woman, or child from bearing a grudge and from hating his brother within his own heart, right? So, let's look at the words of loving John in his first epistle, where we learn in chapter 3, verse 15. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding within him. John, just like Yahshua, made the law stricter under the new covenant by saying, not only do we need to obey Leviticus chapter 19 verse 17 by not hating our brother, but also hating evil, but that anyone who says within his heart he hates his brother is a murderer in the eyes of Yahweh God. Why? Well, two reasons. Number one, we are forbidden from doing so in Leviticus 19, verse 17. But also, no murderer has eternal life abiding within him. He does not have the blessed assurance that you and I do, according to the Mosaic Law. Therefore, John says, many things, and perhaps we have time to look at them in First John but he says, whoever hates his brother is in darkness. Whoever hates his brother is blind. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer and has no life abiding within him. We just covered that. He also says, if any man says he loves God and hates his brother, he is a liar in 1 John 4.20, my friend. 1 John 4.20. So, what else can be said about this? Very important. The law says don't hate your brother in your heart. The New Testament law says anyone who hates his brother within his heart is the same, just as bad as a murderer, because, well, hating our brother or our race is akin to murder. Hating our brother or our race is akin to murder under the New Covenant. Now, in light of these statements that we who love Yahweh are to hate evil, you can turn on your television or your radio or even look at the uh, Washington Compost. <laughs> any newspaper, Jews paper throughout the land, any 8 o'clock Jews cast, and you will see that there are people that hate Yahweh God, that hate you. Right? 
We already confirmed that. We don't need the television. The very second commandment says that Yahweh God will curse those that hate Him. Right? So what do we do when we are hated? Why would we be hated if we choose to be a Christian? And what are the reasons for other people, the worldly or wicked men and women, to hate us? That's a fair question, don't you think? They don't ever teach you in Judeo-Christendom that you'll be hated. So let's begin in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, this is the gospel and one of the most expansive gospels that we have in our possession. We learn in the words of Christ, red letters, my friend, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil, for the Son of Man's sake. Now notice Christ qualifies that by saying, for my name's sake. That doesn't mean you can go around being obnoxious and egotistical. And when the world turns around and rightfully hates you, you are blessed in the process. No, in order to be blessed, you need to have people hate you, separate you from their company, and reproach or speak evil of you, and cast you out or your name as being evil for Christ's namesake, for the Son of Man. So understand, Christ here is saying, you will be hated if you are a Christian soldier, if you follow Him and be one of His disciples. And that's one of the costs of discipleship. But Christ says, don't worry. He says, blessed are you when men hate you. Because if you truly follow Him, you will be hated. So if you're not hated by a wicked world, brothers and sisters, check your faith. See what what manner of man you really are. Because you should be hated. Christ was. The world hated Him. And we're going to prove that today. If you turn over to the Gospel according to John, chapter 12. It is here where Yahshua teaches in verse 25. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. This, my friend, is a metaphor, and Christ is teaching on priorities. We cannot love our life in the flesh over God, which is why Yahshua uses the Greek word matio, set apart, and different than Mysios, which means to hate. In the Greek, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He that loves his life shall lose it. So we need to love less our life in the flesh and love our life in the spirit. Paul says we need to despise and hate the wicked flesh. So, we have just covered another valuable key from Jesus Christ. The saints are not only those that hate evil because they love God, according to the 97th Psalm, but they're they that hate their life in this world, quote-unquote. Christ says in this world order because this world order is wicked. He doesn't say go around hating your life and being suicidal because there are many things to hate in this life, 
evil, right? Being one of them and at the top of the list. Um, fake feasts, hypocrites, idolatry, false oaths, all of those things that Yahweh God also hates. So, while you're here in the Gospel according to John, turn over to chapter 15. And it is here where we learn in verse 23. He that hateth me, hateth my father also. Let's read that one more time. He that hateth me, hateth my father also. What does that say for a majority of Jews who just so happen to go by Zionistic Noahide laws, but believe that they have a special position with Yahweh God and Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Here Christ says, any man, woman, or child who hates me, hates God. And that provides you a valuable key, my friend, because at the end of the day, the world that hates you and blesses you for hating, <laughs> by hating you for Christ's name's sake, hates God, not you, but the light within you, the message you possess, and the threat that you pose. That was why a wicked world killed Joshua. That was why this world hated Christ. Because at the end of the day, they hated Yahweh. They didn't recognize one of the names of Yahshua is Emmanuel or Emmanuel God with us. But perhaps that's a study for another day. Now, while you're here in John chapter 15, notice Christ also says in verse 19, Chapter 15, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore, or because of this, the world hates you. The world will hate you if you are truly called and chosen out of the world. But the way of man is to come in and say, well, I'm going to border that gray area. I'm going to serve a little bit of mammon. I'm going to serve a little bit of Yahweh God. And of course, this is made compoundedly worse by the false prophets who come in and say, God doesn't hate anybody, right? Love the sinner. Hate the sin. But yet at the end of the day, it is Yahweh God who sends the sinner to hell. He doesn't love the sinner and hate the sin. We are commanded to do as He does and hate the sinful. To abstain from all appearance of evil. So Christ says, here in John 15, verse 19, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Now, Christ in John 8 says, Why do you not understand my speech to the Jews? Because you do not understand my speech. He also says in John chapter 8, verse 44, In regard to the Jews, He was a murderer and abode not in the truth because there is no truth within him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of lies. We are not of the world. We recognize truth. We know our shepherd, my friend, because we are called out of this world. Because Yahshua chose us. Therefore, because of that, according to John 15, 19, the world will hate you. Let me interject, if you're not being hated by the world because you're not speaking out against it, you're most likely not right 
in the eyes of Yahweh God. Because again, Yahweh was ultimately crucified. And many people in the Old Testament hated Yahweh too. Don't get me wrong on that. So, what is it? Because we've already covered several things. Christ said, blessed are you when men hate you. Meaning, men will hate you. He also says, you must hate your life in this world to inherit the coming kingdom. He qualifies it by saying, he who hates me hates God. And then, we learn in the same gospel according to John, but chapter 7, very powerful key. Because it's not so much you, my friend, it's what you accept and what threat you pose. John chapter 7, verse 7. Christ says, The world cannot hate you, but me it hates, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. So, Christ clearly says, you'll be hated by many people and cast out, and they'll speak evil of you, and you'll be blessed in that process. Christ also gives us two qualifying statements. One is John chapter 15, verse 23. If you hate him, you hate God. The second is right here in John 7, 7. And that is what? The world cannot really hate you. You. De facto, in the flesh, but me it hates. So they hate Christ through you, my friend. And you'll find this as you walk through life. Many people will believe that you feel you are greater than them because you possess the blessed assurance of Yahweh God. And then they want to despise you. They want to speak evil of you. And at the end of the day, it's not really you. It's the word of God that they hate. It's Yahshua, the living word, because that condemns them. Because they are the type of men and women who look into a mirror and straight away forget what manner of man they were. So, take comfort in that, my friend. You will be hated of a wicked world. And frankly, being a Christian identity pastor for an upwards of about 20 years, I look forward to being hated by this world. And as I get older, I look for the world to hate me more and more. Isn't it ironic that the way of the liberal is to come in and say, oh, my feelings are offended, as if they're holocausted and like God, demand an apology and want to usher and issue forgiveness. When a preacher's job, most assuredly, but the sons and daughters of Yahweh God's job, is to be offensive to a wicked world, to come in and say, you know what, Jacob's loved, Esau is hated. Homosexuality is an abomination, meaning it's hatred in the eyes of Yahweh God, as are all forms of fornication. Yahweh God hates fornication. In fact, Christ even says that fornication or pornea in the Greek, the modern term porn or porno, is the only grounds for divorce. Why? Well, we partially covered this a week ago right in this very venue. Balaam, remember? What did he cause? What was the stumbling block? Fornication. Therefore, there is a doctrine of fornication, another stumbling block, that is mentioned in the book of Revelation by Christ Himself. And Christ doesn't draw straws or split hairs here. He doesn't say, well, I love less. He says, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Where? Well, two times in the book of Revelation. 
One is found in Revelation chapter 2, where we learn, beginning in verse 6, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Now that's not the only place, because it's also reiterated here in Revelation chapter 2, but verse 15. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So what can be said about these deeds of the Nicolaitans? And more importantly, what are the deeds of the Nicolaitans? If Christ says He hates those that hold to this deed or this doctrine, it would stand to reason that a deeper study into what Christ hates would be essential, right? Well, we don't really have time today, but in short, I can tell you that the deeds of the Nicolaitans is basically the deeds of the Gnostics, of the early church, the competitive church. In fact, Nicolaism, Nicolaism is a sect of Gnosticism. And what the Nicolaites believed was that lawlessness abounded, much like today's antinomian Judeo-Christians. During the times of Paul, he would say, well, the law is forever. He was pronomian. But those that held to the deeds of the Nicolaitans, those that were in the bogus Gnostic sect of Nicolaitanism, or Nicolaitanism, believed in lawlessness. So just like at the gainsaying of Kor, in the establishment of the early church, there were those that would go and worship female fertility goddesses. They would engage in orgies. And these, my friends, are the deeds of the Nicolaitans, in a nutshell, to paraphrase. And our people go after that time and time again. In short, the deeds of the Nicolaitans is lawlessness and antinomianism. Lawlessness. (coughs) Excuse me. Essentially coming in and saying that the law is done away with. Now, Irenaeus wrote that Deacon Nicholas was the leader of the Nicolaitans. And he held that antinomianism and lawlessness was the only way to find Yahweh God. Not too far removed from what Judeo-Christendom espouses today. They literally tell you that the law of God, His moralistic will and precepts, is the offense. And that it was nailed to the cross. And therefore, if we want to show love to Yahweh God, well, don't follow His law. This is found within the papacy, mostly. But antinomianism is rampant within Judeo-Christendom. Christ says, whosoever teaches the least of the laws is done away with will be considered the least within the kingdom. And so, these same Nicolaitans that would engage in all of this iniquity and sin and vice are most likely the same exact group of people that Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to take a look at some of the things they did. Now, I already told you that it was mostly fornication. Fornication within the temple. Basically coming in saying all women and men are equal, all races are equal, kumbaya. 
But Yahweh God never felt that way. Yahweh God never taught that. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we learn about bringing our flesh under subjection. He says in verse 12, Paul, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and belly for the meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication. Let's read that one more time. Your body, your physical body, where your soul and spirit dwell, is not for fornication. So also is the Christian body, not for fornicating and going out and adulterating amongst any savage or any false god. Now the body is not for fornication, but is for the Lord. And Yahweh is for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? What? Know ye not that that which is joined unto an harlot is one body? But he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. That's the deeds of the Nicolaitans, my friend. Fornicating. And in the process, sinning against his own body and the body of Christ, because every one of us are part of the many-membered body of Yahshua with Jesus Christ at the head. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. And so on. And so, in your own free time, study 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 12 until the end of the chapter. And you will learn many things about the deeds of the Nicolaitans. But before time gets away from me, I want to turn to the book of Proverbs. Because Proverbs does tell us how to deal with life in the flesh. And King David makes many statements in here on the topic of hate, telling us what we as the Christians should hate or what our God hates. So, how about... Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, where we learn. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Did you hear that? Those that hate the reproof, especially reproof of Yahweh God through His Word, are stupid, quote-unquote. But, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. You must be disciplined, a polite way of saying a disciple. Whoever loves discipline truly loves knowledge. And that's common sense. Anybody who's truly wise and has knowledge knows he doesn't know everything. Meanwhile, the fool goes around talking about everything because he's a fool and thinks he knows everything because he's a fool. If you hate reproof, you're stupid, according to Proverbs chapter 21 Verse 1. What else does Proverbs teach on hate? Well, how about chapter 13? Verse 5. The righteous hates falsehood, but the wicked brings shame and disgrace. So, how is that any different than the 97th Psalm verse 10? The righteous hates falsehood. If you are righteous, you will by default Hate not only the sin, but the sinner who is committing those sins. Because you hate falsehood. You hate every false way. The righteous man hates lying, according to the King James. 
Now, if Proverbs 13, verse 5 says, A righteous man hates lying, what are we doing tuning in every 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, prime time on the television? And oftentimes even rewarding hypocritical actors that lie and deceive for a living. What are we doing in a rebuilt Babylon spending so much time glued to the Talmudic toilet, which is nothing but lie after lie after lie? We do that because we are not righteous. If we're truly righteous, we come out of the world. And the world hates us in that process because they don't understand. They hate you. But what do Christians hate? Well, the righteous man hates lying. Right? Well, while you're here in Proverbs chapter 13, how about verse 24? We learn. The crown of the wise is their wealth. But the folly of fool, the folly of fools brings folly. Well, you could live by that. But it continues. Whosoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Wow. Very powerful statement right there. Because it tells you that whom Yahweh God loves, he chastises. Therefore, we as parents are to go in the same exact manner. And our inability to chastise our children oftentimes is why we live in such an apostasy today. Now, consider that, though, however. Whoso spares the rod doesn't love less his son, doesn't love him more because he doesn't want to see him whimper, doesn't want to see him cry. But whosoever spares the rod hates his son. Now does it make sense as to why we have liberal leftists out there trying to do everything to expose bullying, right? And telling parents that they cannot chastise their own children. This, in turn, empowers the wicked and it empowers the children over the parents. Yahweh God will chastise you because He loves you and His name is jealous. And on the same token, He will visit the sins of the fathers to every generation that hates Him according to Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. So, whoso spareth the rod hateth his son. How about Proverbs chapter 15 where we learn in verse 10, There is severe discipline for whoever forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Whosoever hates reproof will die. That is the reproof of Yahweh God and oftentimes even the reproof of your pastor who dare tell you the truth. Right? To come in and tell you if you spare the rod, you hate your child. And Yahweh God (laughs) taught as such. How about correction is grievous to the forsaken? Do you understand that? If you are called, if you are chosen, then the correction of Yahweh God will not be grievous unto you, but it is to those that are forsaken. Many other things to consider right here in the book of Proverbs. And I suggest in your own free time, you look up some of these quotes I'm providing you. Like Proverbs 26, verse 24. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. You understand that point? Whoever hates will cover that up usually by lying to you. Judas betrayed Christ with a kiss. 
But the way of a man who genuinely hates you is to cover that up. The King James says, haters dissembleth with their lips. How about 26 verse 28? A lying tongue hates its victims. A lying tongue hates his victims. A lying tongue hates all those that are afflicted by it, according to the authorized 1611. When these Jews come in and present to you a fiction in contrast or opposite of God's word, which is truth, they do so because they hate you. They want to obfuscate the truth and keep you in a state of spiritual retardation and not able to hate the wicked. And not only that, oftentimes even worse, so neutered and cuckold that they won't even speak out against wicked when it happens. Proverbs 28, verse 16, we learn, A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. You want to prolong your days? Then avoid covetousness, my friend. Greet. Don't go around in a state of want. Rather, pray the way Yahshua taught you, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. That is the point. Do not be in a state of want, because that, my friend, is how the Jew keeps us in slavery. One final statement before we move on in Proverbs. How about chapter 29, verse 24? The partner of a thief hates his own life. He hears the curse, but discloses nothing. Partner of a thief hates his own life. How can we apply that today? Well, if we work for a boss who is a thief, who steps on people, who walks over them at work, and you're partner to them, what do you hate according to the Bible? You hate your own soul. Because they that are righteous hate evil. They that are righteous hate evil. Now, much more can be said. In fact, here's a few things I want you to consider before we conclude this Saturday afternoon. In Amos chapter 5, we are told another commandment that I believe we should be applying to our life over and over as we walk. It's found in the fifth chapter of the minor prophet Amos, and it is the 15th verse where we learn. Hate the evil and love the good. Establish judgment in the gate. And it may be that Yahweh, God of hosts, will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Not to the whole world, but to one specific race. What are we commanded right there? Hate evil, love good. When's the last time a Judeo-Christian pastor told you to hate evil and to love only good? They tell you to love good. But they also tell you to love the evil. And that's not what Christ taught. He told you to love your own enemies, but never to love the wicked. Because you cannot serve God or mammon. And Christ taught the exact opposite of that. So, in Amos we learn, hate the evil and love the good. But turn with me to Romans chapter 12, where Paul straightforwardly says in verse, in verse 9, Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess up. Abhor that which is evil. Yet another commandment. Abhor that which is evil. 
abhor that which is evil. A polite way of saying hate evil and good. Meaning, to establish justice. To establish justice. How about now, in conclusion, because I know I've given you a lot of verses, and frankly, I could go two, three parts on Christian hate. But I wanted to give you the basics. How do we live in a world of hate? Well, turn with me to First John. First John. Now, in looking at these statements from the loving Apostle John, I need to point out, in establishing what John wrote from his own gospel, you don't need to turn there. But in John chapter 3, we learn by Christ in verse 20, For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Just like he said about us. If the world hates us, it's not really us. But it's what we represent. Because we dare speak out against it. So John, the same author of this gospel, would much later in his first epistle write in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. He says, He that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. If you hate your race, you hate your people, you're in darkness. What else does he say? Well, the same chapter, verse 11. He that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whither he goeth because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John says, those that hate their own people, well, they're blind. They walk in darkness. He says also here in 1 John, but chapter 3, verse 15. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And no murderer hath eternal life abiding within him. One more statement to consider. First John chapter 4, verse 20. If a man says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? Now, does that shed light on why it is that many times we, who followed the Christian path, will be hated by a wicked world. Especially if we speak out against it and say that its deeds are like this. They are in darkness. John also says that we cannot hate our own brother. That doesn't mean that we are to hate or that we uh, can't hate the wickedness, right? Because we are commanded over and over to hate evil. How about Psalm 45? I didn't include this tonight, but I feel it actually bears repeating. Psalm 45, verse 7, where we learn, You who lo- you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond all your companions. Now that should sound familiar because it's reiterated by Paul in the New Testament in his general epistle to the Hebrews. And that, of course, is found in chapter 1, verse 9. My friends, I'd like to thank you for joining me today as we look at Christian hate. Let me tell you where to look at some of the things that God hates. He hates Edom. That's in Malachi 1, 3 and Romans chapter 9, verse 13. God hates false oaths, according to Zechariah chapter 8, verse 17. He hates idolatry. According to Jeremiah 44, verses 2 through 4, he hates our appointed feasts, our new moons, and our obligatory sacrifices, according to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 14. And he hates those that condemn the just, 
according to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15. And we looked at that today. But this example was given by Yahshua. Yahshua was not just the world's uh, stepmad. He didn't come in and say, well, love everybody indiscriminately. In John chapter 2, we learn a very powerful thing about Christ. Something that he hated. In line with these appointed feasts, idol tree, condemning the just, false idols, and everything else. St. John chapter 2, we learn. Verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those that were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he said unto them, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. Therefore, Christ hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans because it also leads back to fornication. We need to expect to be hated by the world and not to marvel because we will be blessed when the world hates us in that process. Again, I would like to thank the few men and women that support this ministry and make my preaching possible. I'd like to give a big shout out of thanks to my friend Farron, Troy, Rosalind, David, James, many others, Steve, Julie, and it's just that handful that allow me to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So please consider, if you have not, an offering to my ministry at covetedpeoplesministry.org, accessible on the World Wide Web, and also remember Eurofolk Radio in your seasonal tithing and giving. Again, thanks goes out to Paul English and the Eurofolk Radio crew for allowing me every Saturday, 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard to address the flock of God. Today we looked at Christian hatred. And I know that many of these men and women who broadcast on the venue, EFR, are hated of the world for speaking out against it. But I also hope that this sermon has edified you. And strengthens you so that when you're hated of the world, you know that you are compounding blessings in that process. And so, until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia and the Covenant People's Church. Wishing you and your family great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this Bible study lesson with Pastor Visser of the Covenant People's Ministry. These teachings are recorded for you live by the Eurofolk Radio Broadcasting Network and can also be found in the archives of our church's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org. If you have any questions or comments regarding these messages, please write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205 USA. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Covenant Gathering. May God bless you and keep you and be with you always.